Welcome back to Book Circle Online. Today we're sitting down with Allison Downey talking all about career, parenting, and pregnancy. Working mamas, this one's for you. Stay right here. This is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. Hey, guys. She works hard for that money. That's she right. She works hard for the money. <laughs> I'm your host, Lindsay Miller. We are back here with another parenting series for our Book Circle Online. You can find me at rockandmamalife.com and on Instagram and Twitter at rockandmamalife. And I'm not alone. I'm here with my beautiful You are host. never alone. You're never, never alone. alone. I'm always never here with alone. you. So, <laughs> hey, guys. I'm Maria Provenzano. You can find me at Maria Provenzano on Twitter, and all of my information will be there. And we have a very special guest with us today. We have the author of the book, Here's the Plan. She is a writer, an entrepreneur, a parent, creator of We Spring, which is basically Yelp for baby products. The lovely Miss Allison Downey. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. Allison, you want to tell everybody where they can find you on social media? Yeah, I'm at Allison Downey and AllisonDowney.com and then also here's the plan here's the plan book.com. Love it. Keep it simple, straightforward. I was wondering how long the song was gonna go on for. <laughs> I kinda wanted to play the whole time. I know. Just <laughs> dancing the whole time. So Allison, you this book, Here's the Plan, is amazing. Loved it. It's basically a definitive playbook for any woman who is going through or considering going through, or really any woman in general yeah. who thinks that family may be in her future. It's really like a how-to guide of tips and tricks from amazing women in all different walks of you know careers on how to navigate this insane world of working and parenting, which is amazing. What inspired you to write this? So it's the book that I really needed myself. I had this Mm -hmm. terrible experience when I was pregnant with my first child of pregnancy discrimination. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't something that looked clearly from the outside. Like I wasn't working with chauvinists. They weren't bad Mm -hmm. people. They were actually very good people. And I still wound up completely sidelined that I had some pregnancy complications. I had to work from home and no one from my office would return my phone calls. Which is always nice. Yeah. Like, I mean, on top of the stress of being pregnant and how that's going to change your life. And then um, in your book, you talk about how you were on bed rest and you were scared you were going to have preterm labor. And this was only at 23 weeks, I I believe. Yeah, 23 weeks. weeks. And the percentage of uh, survival at that point is what was it like? 10%. Yeah, it's 10%. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't imagine being in that situation and then not having the compassion of people you work with every single day. Yeah. Right. I had this, this you know, overwhelming anxiety that my baby was going to die. Oh and my gosh. And layered on top of all of that, I started to worry about whether I was going to lose my job and then need to find a new job with a new baby. My husband was starting business school a week before my due date. <laughs> Great. So I was our <laughs> breadwinner that it wasn't yeah. an option Excuse for me, me to take an extended stretch off yeah. from work. Yeah. Uh, and I was I was terrified. I was really, really scared. Yeah. Now, you were working on Wall Street. You Had you gotten your MBA prior to this? I did. I got my yeah. MBA. I went. I took a job on Wall Street. It was going fantastically well. So you well. were way ahead of your husband. You were like, <laughs> like totally. Just, in like, every way. MBA on Wall Street. And he used to start business school. She's like... <laughs> but to his credit, he, you know, like he let me go first. Oh, that's great. And okay. he was the breadwinner while I was doing school. Okay. And yeah. we had a nice trade off there. Nice that's united so. front. That's yes. very great. But I think oh. it's very, you know, you talk about it a little bit in the book how kind of we all think we're going to be this exception to the rule. And I think that's so true in parenting, you know, whether it comes to your work life or whatever, when it comes to parenting, you. We all think we're going to be this exception to the rule. Oh, I'll be able to handle labor. I'll be able to handle this. I'll be able to work right up until I deliver. I'll be able to jump right back in two weeks in. And kind of the the general theme throughout the book is you have no idea. You have no idea what's going to happen. You could end up just like you did, sidelined very early without a plan and 
not sure what to do. Yeah. And I, you know, even going into my research for the book, I felt like I was an anomaly. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what the book was for was, you know, women who wanted to keep things going, wanted to keep things on track, not women who were completely sidelined. But in the research, I found that 15% of women who responded told me that they experienced outright pregnancy discrimination. And roughly another 15% said that they thought they may have. So almost Mm -hmm. a third of women experienced something in the workplace that knocked them off track a little bit. And even if you're not getting off track, there is all this stuff that feels really intimidating and overwhelming to think about. Like if you need to miss a meeting because Mm -hmm. your kid is sick, Mm -hmm. do you say that you're missing the meeting because your kid is sick? Do you come with some excuse? Do you like own your motherhood in that moment Mm -hmm. and put yourself out there as a strong feminist? Or do you, you know, kind of put a boundary around your personal life and keep it to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and going on the discrimination that you talked about, you talk about that a lot in the book and going off personal, like when I told, I related to one of the women that you spoke with in the book, when I told my boss at the time I was um, working in a salon, I did hair. When I told him that I was pregnant, he literally did not say congratulations. There was no happiness. And then they did not, um, he did not go out of his way to help me build a clientele in my pregnancy so that I had nothing to come back to mm-hmm. um, when I was... And, I mean, to, to his defense, I mean, he felt that he had get put put all this money and work into me and he just thought I was giving it up, but he didn't even allow me to have the chance to prove myself, and which didn't allow me to go back to work because financially it didn't make sense. If I don't have a clientele, I'm not going to pay right. someone to take care of my child when I'm making no money. You know yeah. what I mean? So it was really refreshing as a reader to know that this happens and that happens to other people. And, and so I think one of the biggest things like throughout this whole thing is the one of the reasons you wrote this is so p- women can have basically it's, it's not sugarcoating it like these things can happen and here's how to prepare yourself for that yeah and, and give them the best fighting chance yeah i think totally and i mean i think that the biggest lesson to pull away from the book is an understanding and awareness that people make a lot of assumptions about pregnant women mm-hmm. and what they want and what they need and even in the most supportive workplace with the best colleagues and co-workers everyone has some baggage about mm-hmm. what it means yes. to be a working mother and if you don't speak up very clearly and loudly about what you want, you know, you have no hope of people understanding what's going on inside your head. It's like when you're kind of a teenager and you're thinking that you just want everyone to be able to read your mind. <laughs> or yeah. like your two-year-old that you said she's getting frustrated. Yeah. She, <laughs> she can't express her emotions. Yeah. My two-year-old will not. Okay, well, I mean, she can't explain exactly, yeah, exactly. what she wants. Exactly. And, and you're frustrated. very strong opinions. Yeah. I want to make, just tell me what you want. Yeah. And it's the know. same thing yeah. with the pregnant woman that I think part of it is that you, women don't want to give the wrong impression, that mm-hmm. they don't want to right. bring these things up too much and you know there's some expectation that yeah they're gonna they're just gonna know that I am definitely coming back to work after and they're gonna know that I still want to take on responsibility and I still want more new clients Mm -hmm. Uh, so just go into it with the assumption yourself that whatever someone is thinking about you is wrong and you need to proactively and deliberately correct that you don't have to do it in a defensive way right you can just speak up and say things like when I get back from my leave yes XYZ, like this is what I want to do. And just keep peppering your conversations with phrases like when I'm back or I want you to know that I'm still interested in taking on this project even though I'm going to be out on maternity leave. So just make it crystal clear. Yes. Yeah, I think that was, you know, you talked to a lot of women Mm -hmm. about their experiences (laughs) and got some really great advice. And that's one of the things that, you know, this book really is invaluable to any woman in a career. Just little things that you don't necessarily think about. Like there was one woman you had interviewed who actually started working from home two days a week Mm -hmm. prior to her leave just so she could test the waters and see how her team handled it and see how people reacted and responded to picking up the workload, how she had, you know, delegated it. And that's so smart. But a lot of us don't think forward enough to, to do that or we're afraid that if we do that ahead of time, then that will make it look like we're asking for too much or we're, you know, right. when really you're setting up your team and your 
in your company for the best situation by asking for those things. Yeah, absolutely. And there are all these things that you wouldn't even necessarily know to ask for, you know, to your point that, you know, pregnancy can be a really isolating time, especially yes. in the very beginning before yes. you're like, out as a pregnant yes. woman. And you're discouraged from talking about it until a certain point because, you know, the pregnancy may not be fully healthy yeah. yet. Yeah. And those are the times when you have to start making all those big decisions and thinking mm-hmm. about all those things. So it makes you feel all the more isolated because yeah. you can't talk about it. And then there is some reticence among women to talk openly about the struggles that they faced and the challenges that they faced because there's some sense of shame in it that you yeah. you know you shouldn't have had right. those problems and you yeah. should have been able to do it you know without any problems and issues. So yeah, that's actually something Marie and I were talking about. We talked on our drive over. Via, <laughs> via telephone, um, but we were talking about kind of this uh, this double-edged sword that yes. you don't want to bring up these things in the workplace because you're afraid that you'll be pigeonholed into sort of this mommy mode where this is all you talk about and this is the only issue, but the result of that is that it never gets normalized. So then women think, oh, this is not going to be a big deal. She came back after her maternity leave. It was no big deal. And she jumped right in and they don't see sort of behind that veil of what really is happening. They don't see her crying in her office. Yeah. Or like pumping in her office and like getting milk all over everything. Oh my gosh. They don't see the struggle because we're afraid to normalize it because of the workplace culture, which is really sad. Yeah. I mean, Um, I think it, it is, it can be a slippery slope as a pregnant woman or a woman with a new baby to talk about your baby too much in the office. And that hadn't occurred to me until I interviewed someone who was laid off a couple months after she got back from the office. Um, and she thinks in hindsight that she may have sent signals that she didn't really want to be there. Okay. And whether or not it was conscious right. of her colleagues yeah. that when they were thinking about, you know, who they were going to lay off from the team, like maybe someone thought inside their head, like, She's gonna she's gonna be happy about this. This is a yeah. chance for her to have more time with her baby and be happy with her baby. And, yeah. and you know, that goes that goes back to the assumptions. I, I yeah. think really leadership is responsible for raising these things and bringing mm-hmm. it to the forefront. And I've had the great fortune of being able to talk to some companies over the last few weeks about these issues. And it's really heartening for me to see that companies are bringing in speakers like me. That's yeah, great. That's fantastic. Yes. And also in start, you know, you actually left your job on Wall Street and okay. started WeSpring. So <laughs> when you started WeSpring, did you try to put things into place to make it a more family-friendly yeah. workplace for your employees when you did eventually hire employees? <laughs> Our whole team is virtual. That's awesome. Everyone in the team has a baby under the age of two. Oh my gosh. And that was not, I mean, it was not intentional. Yeah. But it worked out really, really well for us. Wow. And we have someone in Oregon and we have someone in Florida and we have women in Chicago and DC and New York. So it's been this amazing experience of bringing together these women who totally understand what we're doing and Mm -hmm. they understand the product, are immensely talented, Mm -hmm. and everybody really works on their own schedule. So, you know, we have a handful of meetings, but for the yeah. most part, I've just hired really talented people who are self-starters and able to just take some direction and run with it and don't need to be micromanaged. So. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. hiring Fantastic. the right people. And that's something that you talk about in your book when they really do want to keep the right people. So I think one of the best pieces of advice is how you have the game plan for people who are looking to get jobs. It's like when you're looking for a job, you know, really, really look in depth in the culture of the company. You know, do people have kids? Do you see even little things like are there pictures of people who like mm-hmm. so all of that? And then one of the biggest things, which obviously we're not going to give too much away because we want you to get the book because there's mm-hmm. so much information so, like, we wouldn't be able to even skim the surface. <laughs> not but, even. <laughs> but one of the, like actual questions, a list of questions to talk to HR about topics and questions and really advice for if you are feeling like you're dealing with pregnancy discrimination, how to um, really make sure that you have the tangible proof of it, keeping emails or like even how to respond to an email. So when you go and tell your boss that you're pregnant, but this is what my, this is what I'm worth. This is why I'm so good at my job. And you can prove that you were on track. And if they basically try to take it away, you have documented all of your success. And I loved that. I mean, reading this was so, for me, I, 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 it's uplifting. It's uplifting because I think it's something that's so necessary, something people don't talk enough about. And 
in the beginning, she talks about federal policy, and I want to just say, um, it's in the book, but um, is way behind the curve when it comes to protecting women. And there's no um, national policy affording paid parental leave. And so when I was reading this, I just, (laughs) I know, well, yeah, but it was just amazing to me that something like this, it's 2016, and this is the first Mm -hmm. book that really is supporting women. Don't apologize for how hard you've worked. And I just, I loved that. The one that was like, no apologies. And I was like, I'm not going to apologize anymore. <laughs> I loved that. Um, well, it's such a common thing for women that women apologize yeah. for everything. Mm-hmm. And, and like you bump into someone or someone bumps into you and you say, I'm sorry. Um, yes. I know. My, I, <laughs> no, Lindsay doesn't. <laughs> I do. I realize how much I say sorry. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the word just is an mm-hmm. implicit apology. So yes. I just wanted to check in or I yes. just wanted to see what you thought of that. It's apologizing for asking for something. So yeah. being really mindful of that. And especially when it comes to things about your family, it's not like, I'm sorry, I won't be able to make that meeting. Right. It's, I won't be able to make that meeting. Yeah. And just say it straight. And, you know, imagine what a guy in your shoes would do. Yeah. yeah. Do it's, you feel like the workforce is unfair to women oh generally, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's totally unfair to women, and it's it's like a pervasive cultural thing. And we are starting to see what I think is going to turn into a groundswell change. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, it California was the leader, and Rhode Island and New York, and now sorry, Rhode Island and New Jersey, and now New York. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing companies start to put in place really great policies, like Etsy just yeah. said six months for both men and women, which is wow. phenomenal. Yeah, wow. there's a lot of companies, especially up in Silicon Valley. You know, yes. in San Francisco, a lot of startups. Um, I've actually been doing a lot of research in my own on, on workplace, uh, sort of homework, life balance. And I'm really hopeful after doing a lot more research that things are starting to change because they're saying that the millennial you know, generation is not going to stand for this old, antiquated putting in FaceTime. You know, mm-hmm. we talk a little bit about this in the book. It's like, just because you're the last one standing doesn't mean you're the most productive. Right. And so we're starting to see a change. Um, from the women that you've talked to doing this, does it feel like there's a change happening? Or does it feel like we're sort of at that point where women are getting fed up enough that they're going to force a change? So I think dads get a lot of credit for some of the changes that we're starting to see now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Coca-Cola just put in place a policy that afforded six weeks of leave. Mm-hmm. Granted, six weeks is not very long. But men and women got it, both. And mm-hmm. they said that it was because they put together this task force of millennials. And mm-hmm. the dads were the ones who spoke up and said, you know, we want to be equal partners. And I think equal parental leave is mm-hmm. the most important thing to think mm-hmm. about when we're talking about pay equality and yeah. all these other yes. issues you're in the right workplace. I just it actually gave me goosebumps well it's with so you saying true that. you know true. when we when I got pregnant with my son I was you know dancing professionally and not you know really doing a lot of things I loved and not really making a whole lot of money my husband was <laughs> a breadwinner and had been for you know the bulk of our relationship and still is and so when we got pregnant, obviously, I could not work, um, and he was going to continue working, and he actually, within his company that he was working for, had a parental leave policy. He went into his HR and told them that he was going to take his leave. I was about eight and a half months pregnant, and two weeks later, he was laid off. Oh, my God. And it's one of those situations, like you said in the book, and reading it was almost, like, healing for me to understand that, it, you know... He ended up with a decent severance package, but he signed a paper saying he would never sue them. And, you know, he brought up the issue of, like, this seems like suspect timing, but it's so hard to prove. Right. Yeah. It's, like, nearly impossible to prove because in this day and age, you know, he works in in technology and people get laid off left and right. So as long as they laid off one other employee Mm -hmm. at the same time, you can't prove anything no matter what the timing is. And, And it's unfortunate. And, you know, it's... In reality, he was recruited from New York and flown out here for this position, and there's, like, no reason why he would have been laid off other than he was planning on just leaving for several weeks. And and because of that, he ended up having to look for a new job while I'm pregnant, still looking for a job, when after I had the baby, he was flying to, like... Seattle to interview with tech companies and... Just the stress of having a baby anyways at that time. And got no leave. Yeah. And so he had, you know, it's not just women, it's men as well, and... The leave that men get affects the women because, for example, we moved to L.A. for this job for him. We have no family out here. So I'm sitting at home. I have, you know, my mom went home 
you know, two weeks after we had the baby, he's going to work because he gets no leave because he hasn't been there for a year at his new company. And I had horrible postpartum depression. I believe it was greatly in part to not having support. Yeah, of course. And, and you touch on that in your book. The big There's issue. studies yeah. that show yeah. that there are lower levels of postpartum depression um, and long-term higher incomes for women whose partners have parental mm-hmm. leave. And mm-hmm. I also think it just sets up all these patterns that, you know, our, our marriages look very different than our parents' marriages. Oh, and yeah. Our partners are coming to parenthood with this idea of really wanting to be an equal mm-hmm. and active co-parent. But one of the you know, email threads and pieces of research that got so heated when I was working in the book was talking about how you make your partner an equal partner and mm-hmm. like what are the things that you actually do in yeah. practice right. to have that equality yeah. and it it set off this crazy email thread with these 50 women that I was you know talking to in my research for the book and one of them called me and said this is like group therapy yeah. oh. <laughs> because they all were saying my husband is awesome but yeah, oh he yeah, doesn't do anything. Yeah, and it's it's not a lack of interest. And even if the if the dads are really hands on, like dad mm-hmm. is doing making dinner every night and he's mm-hmm. doing the dishes and cleaning up and doing bedtime and all of that, mm-hmm. there's still all this planning work that goes into running a family. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the woman and her three months off or six weeks off or whatever time she gets off that she is completely alone with the yes. baby mm-hmm. yeah. in her house becomes the expert on all of yeah. those things, mm-hmm. and it's a real really hard learning curve to catch up yeah on. yeah of course so there was one quote in the book I don't, I don't remember it exactly but there was a woman who said you know in my low moments I want to wail I'm so glad you want to know what needs to be done but I wish you didn't <laughs> just, just yes I remember reading yes. that one but that's so true it's yeah. something that you know and I remember that especially in the early days it's like don't just just do, I don't want to be the decider I don't yes. want to be like the oh. permanent decider of everything like just to deal with that I'm just like good lord I would never stop like you do for 20 years yeah Yeah. that it just it goes on it self-perpetuates and you become the expert and you have like your Mm -hmm. spouse is your employee and you're managing your employee (laughs) and you know like there there's the delegation of tasks not Mm -hmm. the sharing of responsibilities and I really believe that the lack of equal parental leave is such a big influence on that I think that makes sense yeah it definitely makes sense well and especially too because it's it's the discrimination isn't something that's just towards women it's towards the men that do want to have a role in their family you know I think it still is the norm in a lot of workplace cultures for men to literally be in the hospital the baby comes out they smoke a cigar and they go back to work <laughs> totally. right. and that's not the reality of a lot of people's lives now men right. do want to be involved they do want to be a partner they don't want to be the babysitter they want to be the dad they yes, want to be totally. the parent and it's changing but the workplace isn't necessarily so I have a lot of friends who's you know, husbands wanted to take time off or take their leave, but they're like, nobody takes it. Totally. Right. You know, so they don't. They have these policies, but if they actually went to their boss and were like, I'm going to take my leave, they'd be like, you're going to what? Yeah. Okay. It's just... Yeah, and it's crazy what actually happens, and you can plan as much as you can for a healthy baby, but then, I mean, even post-baby, what happens? My son was in the NICU. Those aren't things you plan for either, you know? So I think that's something that my husband had to be with us for, you know, the nine days. Granted, I mean, some some men don't get really any time off, um, but he had to be with us. Luckily, he works for a company that was very, like, understanding. But in a certain situation where maybe somebody doesn't work for a corporate company um, and they need to work at their nine to five type hourly job just because they need the income. And then the wife is stuck in the the NICU with a sick baby, you know, so it's just it's really um, I guess just it's just tough to really wrap your head around the fact that there's not that. And that's what Lindsay and I were talking about as well. This is, you know. Something that for corporate jobs, there's all these, you know, the, the politics and the discrimination. But even jobs like where I worked as a hairstylist or someone who works at a restaurant or someone who's a dancer or talent, they don't have even the structure of something. They don't have yeah. HR, yeah. you know. Well, that was a, a shocking thing for me to read in the book on just the reality of we think HR is on our side. Yes. And I remember when I was working, I worked <laughs> at a law firm for a while after college and I thought the HR person was like my, yeah. per, like my inside guy in the office. If things weren't going right, I could talk to my HR. And you know, it's spelled out in the book very clear. Yeah. 
don't get it twisted. The HR person's job is to protect the company's right. bottom line and to keep things that are best interest for they the company. They want to keep you from suing the company. And I think that that is a common mistake that women make. Right. They think that that HR person is their confidant or their, you know, their person on their side. And in reality, all that HR person is thinking when you're coming into their office and telling them what is going on is how is this going to work for the company? Yeah. And how do I fix this yeah. problem? And sometimes the fix for the problem is not a fix that is going to be good for you as an, as an yeah. employee. Uh, and it's easy to slip into that mindset that your HR person is your advocate. And it to some, you know, in some regards that's true. And there are lots of caring, supportive HR people who mm-hmm. will fight for you and will help you. But that is not the norm. Yeah. That is not, you know, that's not what you should go into assuming is going to happen. Yeah. Also, um, another thing that was, that struck me in the book, there's a lot of really great advice for women that are higher up in their careers that, you know, about getting coach job coaches and things like that. They're really valuable. And actually the, I'm not going to give it away, but there's a section in the book on the job coaching and it's really like life coaching in general and everybody, everybody should read it. It's really valuable information. But what kind of advice did you find? Because I know you talk to women in all different levels Mm -hmm. of their, all different types of careers, uh, but they were in some point, in some way deemed successful in terms of they had been in the career force for a while before they had their children. What advice did you get for women that are in a job where they maybe aren't like the CEO or they're not in a financially, you know, really lucrative career and and finances are more of an issue in trying to make it work after baby? Yeah. So the coaching phenomenon is something like it it didn't even occur to me really before the book and before Mm -hmm. I did the research for the book that that you would find a coach or you'd hire a coach during pregnancy. And that's a really common thing for women, that women yeah. are reluctant to invest in their careers in the way they might invest in a personal trainer mm-hmm. or invest in therapy or invest in something else yeah. that is going to like better them as an individual or a gym mm-hmm. membership or whatever that is. Uh, and men are more likely to do that. Yeah. Uh, so one of the women I interviewed has a coaching business that she created to help women who are mid-career. And not necessarily women who are on the CEO track, but women who are you know in their late 20s early 30s trying to figure out how they get to the next step mm-hmm. and she marketed her business to women and two-thirds of her clients are men so oh my god wow despite that concerted effort and uh you know i like i kind of made fun of the idea of coaching a little yeah. bit in the book that like you need a life coach you need a coach yeah. for your life what i'm going to tell you how to talk to your boss like i was yeah. thinking the same thing but it's a sounding board it's, it's yeah it's therapy essentially yeah board. so well just even her way of like you know managing out her day and like just the simple yeah. little thing I mean it's it's genius yeah. you guys gotta read it yeah it's really smart and there are there are ways to try and get there just through mentorship mm-hmm. and peers and advocates if you don't have the money to spend you know you know two hundred dollars on a couple coaching mm-hmm. sessions mm-hmm. it's entirely understandable I talk to women from all stages of careers like pastry stuffs and mm-hmm. nurses and ER doctors and people all over the map uh, but the common thread among them is that they were all invested in their careers that their jobs mm-hmm. were more than just a paycheck and talking to someone about you know like what the chess moves are for you mm-hmm. 10 steps down the line mm-hmm. can be so enlightening and just getting that outside objective perspective yeah. can really help. And you know so interesting in talking about like time management the life coaching thing like that um, talking about women working at home because I work from home now and so that was one thing that I thought was really interesting was even the days that the that they would work their you know time at home mm-hmm. moms on maternity leave or whatever kind of transitioning back um having to even like change your clothes to just be like now I'm working so there's little tips in there even of things like that and I kind of laugh because you know you're sitting and the way they described it I was like this is my life right now it was you're literally sitting there with a messy house full of Legos and you have to shut it out and pretend yeah, it's not there it. and work <laughs> and like put your you know nose to the grindstone and it's so <laughs> like this is my life right now. But it's true. Yeah. I think it's especially hard. I think that that work-life boundary and not becoming the household mm-hmm. CEO is especially hard for women who are working from home. And yes. I work from home yeah. you know, probably two days a week on average. Mm-hmm. And 
and it's tough that like you think to yourself like oh like I should just fold that load of laundry or you know oh okay I'm gonna be the one who lets the cable guy in because I am the one who's working from home today Mm -hmm. and it becomes this really slippery slope where you wind up losing part of your work day your your, like hard-earned work day that you want to invest time in to doing a lot of these administrative tasks it's so true I have to leave the house (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I the house because I can't. I can't separate it. It's too hard for me. Um, I want to know your thoughts on. Are you familiar with Me Eternity? Oh boy, Meg- am I ever? <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, yes. this woman Megan Foy um, wrote and is releasing a book called Me Eternity. She's a 38 year old woman. When she was in her 30s, she had a career as a magazine editor, but she found herself getting jealous of all these women who would leave at six o'clock or go on their maternity leave and leave her and her other coworkers, as she puts it, to pick up the slack. And so she decided that every woman decide de- deserves some me time, some quality me time. Every woman deserves. and they should all get maternity leave, and she calls it me maternity leave. So. Whether or not you have children, she should get a self uh, fulfilling vacation of sorts, which any of you who are parents are laughing hysterically or just outraged like everybody on the like internet. Like me. Megan uh, and I are not friends. So I'm really <laughs> curious as to your thoughts on this whole maternity phenomenon. Yeah. Well, first, I tip my hat to the women <laughs> that she worked with who did such a good job of projecting confidence right? and calm exactly. in that span of time. And, you know, to a, to a lesser extent, I have some admiration for her for having such a rosy picture of what (laughs) that looks like and that like that optimism that she yeah that she is clearly driven by um I think what what does underlie that for all of the controversy in it and like all the like blood boiling in my Mm -hmm. ears when I think about it Mm -hmm. is that our workplaces are not employee friendly right now like they're certainly not family friendly and we all know that with complete clarity but they're also just not that friendly to employees and there is roiling under the surface in almost every workplace in America this level of discomfort and Mm -hmm. resentment about the way we now expect employees to work. People are unhappy. I actually was talking about this with a friend of mine um, whose husband actually started a business because they moved here from Europe and it's so you know it used to be that if you worked a nine-to-five you could disconnect. If you're mm-hmm. working for somebody else, you know, you go in, you put in your time, you punch your time clock, and you go home. And you go home to your family, and you go home to your life, and you have the rest of your day. You worked 9 to 5, 40 hours a week. That was it. And the sort of catch-22 with working for yourself was that you worked all the time because you were married to your business, and that was a big roadblock to people working for themselves. And now our workplace culture has changed so much with, you know, smartphones and technology that you're always working. Yeah. Like, God forbid always you did not working. reply to an email at 8 o'clock 24-7. And not only are we working longer hours in the workplace, but we're also not unplugging when we get home. Right. And people are just unhappy. Yeah. And she has, I mean, she's she's clearly tapped a nerve. And I've yeah. seen plenty of people yes. <laughs> on Twitter who are like, yes, me eternity. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I would say that there are probably a hundred more people for every one. <laughs> that are like, like oh, are you, are you joking? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I think you know, the positive thing about all of this is that it has forced a conversation about those feelings that are going mm-hmm. on, you know, under the surface. And I talked to a lot of women in my book research who all said, they feel so tremendously guilty when they mm. walk out of the office and there are people who are still there. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, the, the idea that, um, you know, women are flouncing out of the office at 5 o'clock. Yeah. Right. And they're so lucky to be able to do that. No, none of them feel lucky they're yeah. doing that because there's like a ticking clock above their head for daycare pickup. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the th- also part of it is when they leave, they're also working for the rest of the night whereas you homegirl can go home and have a glass of wine and watch a TV show at 8 o'clock 9 o'clock whereas a parent does not have that luxury and a parent has a lot of other concerns in terms of okay what if my baby's sick then I you know there's a lot of other aspects going on 
financial things because if you're late for daycare you get fined and you have to pay and then if your baby's sick and you have to stay home with them where you might be looking at it as this luxurious day off of work someone's working from home and taking care of a sick child who's probably like just you know beyond the realm of emotion and it's just it's it, it is unfathomable to me that someone who can speak of something that they have never experienced and know nothing about. But do you think, and so I, you know, I was, at first I was really enraged, and then like I, I was am. like, are we, part of, <laughs> are we part of the problem though? You know, and in reading in That's the book, true. kind of this double-edged sword of, do you talk about it or do you not talk about it? Do you normalize how hard it is or do you put on a brave face and just not let them see you struggle? And is this mentality of single people who don't have children partly as a result of women just having to like, you know, act like it's not an issue. You know, it's not an issue. I'm not on the mom track. I'm, you know, just going to show up and do my work and I'm not going to be affected by my home life and they don't see the struggle. You know, not only that, we don't talk about as women and more and more women are starting to, but talk about the realities of what it's like to raise, you know, your kids in those early years and how hard it is and how emotionally and physically challenging it is. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't normalize that. So is that partly to blame for this mindset? Yeah. So I think the answer is yes, both. That we need to have that, um, that we, we need to have those open conversations and we also need to continue projecting ourselves as rock stars mm-hmm. and people who are not slowed down mm-hmm. by motherhood. Mm-hmm. So I think the answer really is to be very mindful about how and when you're talking about your family mm-hmm. and not let the ugly underbelly of motherhood slip out because you're exhausted mm-hmm. but to instead have a really candid conversation and you know like not on the bad day don't talk about yeah. it on the bad day <laughs> yeah yes. talk about it on the good day and say you know there are bad days like this yeah. where this happens um, but I think you know it's so easy for people to pigeonhole you into mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. mommy track and put you in that box and once you're in that box it's very hard to get out of it so um you know making sure that you are being careful about continuing to show yourself as the strong independent you know self-starter who Mm -hmm. is you know on the track for really great things while also you know not certainly not lying or hiding the things of course yeah Mm -hmm. but trying to not let them slip out accidentally right yeah it's a fine line but i think something else that you have done going on that exactly you said being rock stars, being strong, women sub- uh, supporting women, women helping women, paving the way for the other women in their company. If you're the first person at a small company who's having the baby, like be the strong person who paves the way for future women. And you've really created, not only with WeSpring, that's of course, uh, you know, a community for people to learn about products because we're all crazy we want the best thing for our babies and how do we figure out what that is and there's no one size fits all so obviously you created a community there but you've really created a community with here's the plan because you have this uh, I mean not only the book but an online resource Mm -hmm. for women and it's just and not even women parents I'm I want to include all parents as well but as you know being a woman being a mom this to me was something that I am so excited to to look on the website and to read the other books that you talk about in here. We had this conversation before we started, even you recommend a book called The Female Brain. And we talked for, I'm like, we can't, I can't (laughs) wait to read it. So really just creating this community of strong, powerful mm-hmm. women and inspiring women and having these conversations yeah yes. having them openly and may, like maybe you don't have it in the office but maybe you have it with some of your girlfriends mm-hmm. and for the yeah. women who don't have kids yet it's also an opportunity to show some support to a woman who does mm-hmm. right if you are you know 27 and thinking sometime in the next five years you might have a kid go to some woman in your office who's pregnant and yes. say like what can i do to help you and take something off your plate because mm-hmm. i want to be in your shoes one day and i would love to just learn with you learn from you no strings mm-hmm. attached right now how can I help you yeah and really build those relationships and give yourself a good leg up and I wish yeah. I would have planned I think you know you look back in hindsight's 2020 so for all the moms out there who are even thinking about like you said like read this and prepare yourself because talking from someone who yeah. wasn't prepared I did not prepare accordingly and I wish I would have and yeah. just something to kind of give you that you know, playbook. Yeah, you talk about a little bit in the in the beginning how this is kind of the you joke about this is like the missing 
class in your MBA. (laughs) And really the missing class in high school. And all I kept thinking about was, you know, like elementary school or middle school or whatever, where you go to that really awkward, like puberty class. Oh, yeah. You go to that where you watch like some horrible video that like traumatizes you for life. And they say penis and everyone laughs. And the boys and and girls (laughs) both have to watch it. And it's like, why is this not covered? This is like business 101 to me. It's something that's relevant to women. It's something that's relevant to men. And it's a conversation that should be had in in high school, in college, in your MBA programs, because it's so, you know, you have a business writing class. You're going to tell me how to write an email, but not how to navigate my career when I have a family, which is like, for a lot of us, an inevitable part of life that happens, you know, and it's, it's unreal to me that this isn't even a conversation that's had. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's really, that's why I wrote the book. It was the book that, that I so desperately needed myself. Love it. I know. I, I wanted to ask you, um, there's a there's a brief conversation on part-time work, um, and you strongly encourage women to really think about that decision. And I just wanted to ask you, just, you know, living in Los Angeles, um, and, and prior to Los Angeles, I lived in New York City, and a lot of my friends were getting pregnant and having families, and in a lot of major cities where the cost of living is so exorbitant and childcare is insanely expensive, I watched a lot of friends of mine get pushed out of their jobs solely because the cost of childcare was more yeah. or completely equal to their job. And they loved their careers and they loved their job, but financially it just didn't make sense for their family. So what advice do you have, if any, for women that were were sidetracked yeah. or you know fell victim to some sort of unidentifiable discrimination and they ended up sidelined or ended up laid off? Like, How do you work your way back in? How do yeah. you get back in without ending up like our mothers who took... 10, 15 years off mm-hmm. and never could get back in. You know, yeah. is the workplace open up so that women can get back in? What can you do during those years at home to prepare yourself to be able to jump back in? Right. Yeah. So the part-time thing, um, and this was something that hadn't fully occurred to me before I was doing the research for the book, but mm-hmm. one woman said, like, if you go part-time, you will be doing the same amount of work for less salary. <laughs> And that was like an epiphany for me, mm-hmm. realizing that, you know, the expectations of you stay the same. If you say, I only want to work four days a week or I want to work mm-hmm. three days a week, instead of asking for that, ask for flexibility to work from home and mm-hmm. make it on your own time. Or if you do really want to take those two days and you want to, mm-hmm. you really just want to work three days a week, put a finite time period around yes. it. Mm-hmm. So it's clear that it's not that you're, you're like ramping down from your work, right. that you are taking a temporary stretch of time to do that. So so then uh, at the end of those three months, you know, if you decide you want to keep doing it, then you have that conversation then. Mm-hmm. But the expectation from your colleagues is that you will be back in full force, right. not that you're never going to be there in the same capacity again. Um, if you are taking time off, and I think the the decision to take time off from work is one that needs to be about whether you want to take time off from work and not about the finances mm-hmm. of it. The, the finances Which are, are such great a in real, theory, but in reality, that's not... Totally. For a lot of people. It it absolutely, I absolutely agree with you. Um, But the math to think about is where your salary would be three years from now if you hadn't taken any time off. And again, I know there there are lots of people who are in careers where they would lose money. And I'm not suggesting in that case. But if you're doing the math and thinking, like, after taxes, my take home is only going to be $10,000 or $20,000, your kid's going to have a full time job that is provided by the state um, when your kid is five years old. Mm -hmm. So public kindergarten, public elementary school, and at that point, you're gonna want your you want you want your career to be there. You want to be mm-hmm. have something that's just exciting and engaging to you. But if you decide that that you do really want to focus on that, and you know, or you have to because of the financial reasons, mm-hmm. stay plugged in. Uh, stay as plugged in as you can. Go to conferences. Stay on LinkedIn. You know, keep the relationships. The yeah. yeah, show up and have lunch with colleagues every mm-hmm. other week, mm-hmm. and just keep getting your face out there yeah you know do some continuing education teach yourself another skill while your Mm -hmm. kid is napping do the things that are going to keep you really current because I can't tell you how many friends I have who are three or five years out of the workforce and do not see any path back in Mm -hmm. wow it's even worse for dads that dads who take an extended they lose a lot sadly lose a lot more respect yes and I actually on both know people in both situations a dad and then um the part-time thing I had a friend who went part-time and she was 
doing the same amount of work and getting yeah, less pay. She, totally. That was that was when I read that. That was her story. She tried to do part time, and I think it, there's really is not a one size fits all. And you say that in the book, mm-hmm. and you it's really going to depend on the culture of the company. It also depends on the job you do. Right. Like I have a lot of friends. You know, there's certain careers that are set up for staying in working part time in a really great yeah, way. Of you course. know, like nursing, they can do shift work, and you just drop down your shifts, and you're still there, and you're still working. Yeah, but you're working less, and it doesn't reflect on your skills. But I had a friend Mm -hmm. who's an architect and she was working part-time getting like 70% pay but still doing the same projects she was home was like working non-stop because she was still doing the same amount of projects like you said it's you know she's working almost more and getting paid less and it was like that's not cool um but then I have a friend who's an attorney who does contract work now from her firm and she takes like on a client at a time and she'll work on that case and and it it works great for her but a lot of careers aren't set up for that yeah and I think that can be one of the one of the best situations where you do take on projects that Mm -hmm. you decide okay Mm -hmm. I'm going to take one or two years I'm going to scale back and that is a completely valid decision Mm -hmm. and I completely like I fully understand it yeah um and taking on a project here or there trying to do some freelance work trying Mm -hmm. to do some contracting uh to keep you relevant yeah. There are a lot of women who now will do a maternity ship where Yeah, I read about that. That's oh. amazing. Cover someone else's leave. <laughs> and wow. If you if you That's stay smart. plugged in and you stay networked, I, I talked to lots of women who would, you know, go back into their job at whatever big multinational corporation mm-hmm. for three months. Mm-hmm. And they do it while someone else was out on leave and they knew the players and they knew the industry mm-hmm. and it can be a really great wow, way. Wow, there's to, gotta be yeah. some kind of staffing firm for that now. Well, How is there? You interviewed a woman who just started a company, right? Yeah, there's women. a great company called Maybrooks. Uh, that covers for ma- women in uh, maternity leave. Yeah, that they, they look they they match women with flexible jobs. There's another oh, one. Oh yeah, called Power to Fly. Power to Fly. Mm-hmm. Which My sister have, has worked with them. Yeah, we have two Power to Fly employees at Spring. They're phenomenal. Yes, and I think there's a big hole that's getting filled yeah. there. There's a company called Emissaries. There there are so many now that I can't even yeah. name them all. Uh, but it's amazing to see that yeah. there are these entrepreneurial women who yeah. are seeing that there's a gap and there's a need and they're jumping in and filling it that's great let's talk um a little bit about work life i love this the work life fit because balance is not (laughs) and just like little things i loved um how you talked about you made a conscious choice that you could either spend three or four hours a day with your kids distracted checking emails from this or one to two hours really with them unplugged Mm -hmm. and i thought that was such a smart decision um, to think about for women who, you know, if you're working from home or, or you have limited time, just things you can do to make your work life mm-hmm. fit a little bit better. Yeah. That I, I believe in quality over quantity. Right. That, mm-hmm. you know, like like you cited, three hours with your kid where you're completely distracted, at the end of it, you're not going to feel any more bonded or close yeah. with your kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas your child, is your child's going to know the difference between mm-hmm. you being totally focused on your child and playing Legos or like sifting kinetic sand or, you know, the things that I do in my yeah. house. I'm like sifting kinetic sand. <laughs> I know. Sand. I love kinetic sand. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and you know I don't always do it but I try and put my phone in the drawer when I get home and we're actually about to you know remodel our very old kitchen and (laughs) one of the things that I want is a place right by the door where we walk in and that's where our phone goes down and they go in that drawer because it's have you seen they have like a phone safe you can literally (laughs) it's on Amazon yeah change your life I don't have it but I would love to get it you lock your phone in and it, you set a timer and you like cannot physically get oh your God. phone out for like the hour or whatever amount of time That's it's so in there. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, in checking email, I, yeah. I heard this recently that it it like sets off the same section of your brain that cocaine sets off. That's <laughs> depressing. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. And and it makes it like when I heard that, I was like, oh. I bet social media is like heroin yes. then. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and like that's why I feel that itch, that like itch to check yeah. my phone. It's, All the it's time. Addict- it like literally is addictive. It is. And until you, like you have to go cold turkey, that it's like rehab for yeah. phone yeah. usage. I remember I was, that reminds me, I was working at a law firm in D.C. and one of the partners, he was on his honeymoon and... <laughs> And we all get an email from his wife saying he will no longer be responding to emails and oh she shot his blackberry in the ocean. And I was like, way to go. Because it really is, you know, it's yeah. our, 
our workplace culture and then our home cut like we're addicted to our smartphones and we're not connected right. yeah one of the things I do so I I read on my smartphone which I can't I was such a book snob for so long <laughs> you can't do it as a mom with like five minute it's pockets hard, of yeah. time that yeah. now I use my five minute pocket of time to read a novel rather yeah. than scroll social media and it feels more like me time like restorative yeah. time rather than frittering away time but, yeah so I read a lot on my smartphone so before I go into my bedroom at night I'll I will take my smartphone phone into the bedroom but I switched to airplane mode yeah and that's another thing that you can do as well when you're on the kids that if you're using your phone to figure out what time it is or you're like whatever you're using yeah. your phone for yeah. to do things like go to airplane mode mm-hmm. so you're not quite as tethered to the internet yeah mm-hmm. can help a lot yeah they have the do not disturb yes which is I what if I disturb. need to like sit and write for a while that's what I do because this sound I mean even if I hear it vibrate yeah mm-hmm. it just will take me out yeah I know yeah <laughs> there is so much I know I'm like we could talk for hours book. we could talk for hours it's an amazing book I mean even little things like I love the wearing a salon cape oh, yeah. out of the house right because it's impossible to get out of the house without like just sticky substances and snot and Lord yeah. knows what else all over you. Right, because like you get work. up in the morning, you get dressed, yeah. and and most women have to hustle to do it before their kid is up. Because once their kid's up, yeah. there's not going to be no, anything. there's no chance. And then like your nice outfit gets totally ruined, so you put on the yeah. salon cape uh-huh. and you insulate your outfit yeah. from peanut butter and <laughs> all the other things. Although I will say there's a there was a tip in the book to put like a bouncer in the bathroom, which I guess is like horrifying to some women, but I will share that I put the high chair. Oh, yeah. In the bathroom, especially oh, once my son got older. Because the only time he's occupied by himself once he started walking was when he was eating. So when he would eat breakfast, I would get ready for the day because it was my only you chance. You make it work. Oh, I put my child in the bath, like the empty bathtub with no water in it. <laughs> oh, that's, you know what? That's, that's really smart. Couldn't yeah. call out. Um, and like small baby. <laughs> yeah, small baby. Oh, okay. but, but that's actually smart. You put that's some, very put a blanket smart. down. Yeah, they're contained. It's like a playpen. Exactly. As long as, you know, your baby is... not going anywhere. Yeah, Yeah, not able to climb out of it (laughs) yet. Obviously, be safe. (laughs) Well, it was so great having you. Thank you so Um, much for making the time. Because on your book tour that you're doing, you're a very busy woman. Thank you so much for having me. And... We can get the book on Amazon. Yep, and just here's the plan book.com. Okay, here's the plan book.com. Has way more resources too. What else can they get on here's the plan? So I have a sample nanny contract. I have this very type A uh, worksheet that you can use to divide up your household responsibilities. Which is everybody should have it. Yes. Like, if you have roommates, if you're married, it's huge. You don't realize how much you have to do until you actually write it all down. Yeah. Wow. And it's I'm a getting that. easier way. I'm getting it <laughs> now, today. Easier way to divide all that up. The questions to ask your employer. Yes. Um, questions to ask a nanny when you're interviewing mm-hmm. a nanny. Things to look at at daycares. All the stuff that my editor said, your book will be 400 pages if yeah, you leave all you put this it in it. So you're like, I'm putting it on the website. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yes. And like I said, created a really great community for parents and especially women and um it's like a beacon of hope for (laughs) every ambitious woman out there so definitely check it out here's the plan yes allison where can everybody find you on social media at allison downey on instagram and twitter yes and you can find me at maria provenzano on twitter and all my information will be there and you can find me at rock and mama life on instagram and twitter Thank you guys so much for watching. Go get Here's the Plan. Here's the Plan. So useful. Yes. Thanks, guys. (laughs) From managing editor Jason Squamata, executive producers Maria Menounos, Phil Svitek, and Kevin Undergaro, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Book Circle Online. For more discussion, go to bookcircleonline.com. And if you have comments, questions, or book title suggestions, write us at info at bookcircleonline.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this is Book Circle Online. BCO, join the circle.